everything is going to work out. You don't have to worry. Channel that energy and build multiple revenue streams like Dan did. Again, launching as a conference business, doing 600 grand per year, has a research business, doing 200 grand per year in the form of, you know, $30,000, $40,000 studies. Some of those studies do so well. He says, you know what? This has to be a book. And so he's got Back to Human coming out soon here in November. Make sure you go grab it. This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. I had no money when I started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest-growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Dan Shawbell. He's a New York Times bestselling author, partner, and research director at Future Workplace and the founder of both Millennial Branding and WorkplaceTrends.com. His new book is called Back to Human, How Great Leaders Create Connection in the Age of Isolation. I'm looking around because I have a copy somewhere around here uh, and I was jumping into it. But Dan, are you ready to take us to the top? Thanks so much for having me, Nathan. Excited to be here. Yeah, you bet. So tell us first, like, again, you know, most of my audience are software folks. When they think about writing a book, they go, why would I ever leave my software business to write a book? So walk me through strategically, why write books? I wouldn't walk away from any job because you never know if the book's going to do well or not. And the art of actually doing what you're good at and what you're getting paid for can inspire these stories and experience that are captured in the book. So I didn't. I wrote my first book when I had a full-time job at EMC Corporation, a very technical company, Fortune 200, now EMC Dell. Uh, nights and weekends, I, I was writing 12 blog posts a week outside of work. I had my own magazine. I was doing a million different things, including writing that first book. And I kept my job. My parents gave me such good advice. They say, they said, you stay at that job unless you're making enough money where you can leave. Yeah. And you have to project that out for at least one to two years that you can you can uh, sustain yourself. What was your salary? What was your salary at that job? Like how safe were you? How safe was I? I was making about sixty five thousand dollars. And you left. Was, I was entry level. It was, this was this yeah. was a few years. You're out not of you're not there anymore though, right? No, no, no. I haven't been at that job since January 2010. Okay. Now what is, so workplace trends is your current baby. Yeah. 2010. Okay. And, and now my current company is millennial branding as well as I'm one of three partners at future workplace. So what does that mean? Like you eat avocado toast all day and go get like Starbucks caught. Like what does millennial branding mean? Millennial branding started off as me coaching people on how to build a personal brand. So millennials or how to cater to millennials. Well, it wasn't even that. It was it was really coaching. It was me, you know, uh, with retainer clients, helping them grow their brand using social media because it was really in the early days, and I was one of the early evangelists on how to use social media to build a personal brand with personal branding blog, personal branding magazine, and all these resources I provided. And then eventually, I turned that in and pivoted to helping companies better attract, retain, and grow their millennial talent. So I changed then and now it's still doing the same thing. But, you know, all my books, 
like everything else is under that. My little speaking career is under millennial branding. And then the other company, we do four conferences a year and we have an AI course that we, we sell to companies and it's a membership model. So we have over 40 fortune 500 companies that pay us annually and they get to send three delegates to each of our four events, two East coast, two West coast events. And these are experiences. So you know, we have so how much, how much companies. revenue that, that those 40 companies, right? So they pay you annually. How much revenue does just the conference business do? It's well, it's $15,000 per each client. Okay. Each and that's annually or per, per annually and for each of the three seats or all together. That's for all together. Okay. So that's about 600 grand per year then 40 times 15 grand. Yeah, You're good that, at math. that's great. Okay. So that, so that's a good, I mean, so is that business allowing you to underwrite some of this other stuff, like taking the time to write, traveling to speak, stuff like that? So that's a great question. And then that's one aspect of the business. Then there's the research business and that's where I, what I lead. And so that that's over 200 a year, which is Awesome. By the way, I, mean, I have I, to ask when you come on and say that you're so you start with like social media branding thing. I have to ask the numbers question because you know what everyone thinks when they hear social media branding person. They think like broke. Yeah, broke, no job. <laughs> and by the way, they don't they don't even know they don't even use social media themselves. So by attaching these numbers, people will keep listening, which is good. Yeah, so, just because you have a hundred thousand followers doesn't mean it's making you any money. It's that's right. what comes from that. Like even in the early days, Nathan. Uh, when I had a blog, I wasn't making any money from the blog until my 600th post where people who were commenting on blog, my blog, I turned into sponsors. And then I launched a magazine on top of that because I already had the community driven by the blog. And But most people could just stop at the blog and not seek advertising, not launch any companies on top of that. Yeah. So it takes, it, it, you become the entrepreneur when you leverage that platform for a business. Tell me about, I'm reaching down here in my bag. So we, we are just now about, I think I showed you this when we met in person in New York over coffee, but we're about to launch this magazine for SaaS companies only, CEOs. Awesome. It, we're, we're doing a magazine. And I'm like, people are going, you're crazy for doing a magazine. You did a magazine. What is it like? Like, what are the big costs I should be expecting that I'm not thinking of? Well, mine was an online magazine, so it wasn't print. Uh, the print costs would have been much more expensive. And back then I was 22, 23 years old. And so I was just doing it my main intent for the magazine was as a learning experience. The magazine became my NBA, if you think about it, because I was, here's everything I did for the magazine that no one knows, is I was managing 100 contributors. I did the format of the magazine. I did the design of the magazine. I distributed it through the blog, and I got everyone who was part of the magazine to promote it on their blogs. And back then, blogs actually had a lot of traffic. People would we'd get a lot of traction that way. I did the marketing. How did you incentivize 100 contributors? Back then, I created such enthusiasm and excitement around personal branding because I myself loved it and knew the value of it. And so people who I I commented on their blogs, I reached out to them. And over time, I had built up this massive roster of contributors who contributed. Like Lewis Howes is one of the early contributors. This is a long, long time ago, right? Where a lot of these people who contributed have gone on to build remarkable careers. But they started because... Everyone starts with nothing. That's what people don't realize. Like every business I've started, I've done the initial work for free to gain the experience and to get case studies and traction so that I could uh, sell my services as a premium cost. My first research study, I didn't get paid for. My first, what do you, you know, sell? What do you sell research? What do you sell research reports for now today? So that's a good question. It depends. And Thousands, I say it though. Depends. 
Oh yeah, 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 yeah for sure. I, I won't do anything for less than about thirty thousand. And what is it? Is it like a, a physical report, or you're flying in, coaching the team on the results, or what? So here's what's important: it's what the customer is looking for as a deliverable, right? So for us, it's they want a PR campaign to get publicity for their company to be positioned as a thought leader on the future of work. And so I've taken all of my skills from a publicity standpoint and my skills in research. And I, I go end to end because I love research. I've done over 40 studies since 2012. And so I take, I, I am part of the entire value chain of research and promotion besides one part. And the part that I don't do is I don't feel the study. We work with a third party provider that does that because, you know, you'd have to have like 200 million people as part of your panel to be able to niche down and say, I want like a hundred. You're talking about to get like a meaningful sample size, a meaningful cohort. Correct. But I do this. I do the questionnaire. I do the analysis. I campaign. I do everything else. So let's do So I run the Latka agency LLC and we're growing and I want to hire, bring on, you know, 50 millennials. I could say, you know what, as a creative way to get more eyeballs on my brand, especially millennials, I'm going to go hire Dan. And the study that I want to do are like, you know, here, you know, here's how a hundred thousand millennials spend the first 10 minutes uh, each morning. And then you're like writing a, essentially you're basically like white label research. You do the research and then I white label it as Nathan Latka, you know, generated. No, it's, it's a partnership. So okay. it's Oracle and future workplace released this report and we I just did a, a report on artificial intelligence. And so for, for this book, I, I partnered or back to you, and I partnered with Virgin Pulse, which is one of the 400 Virgin brands to do a study on work connectivity. And so they fund the study and we partner and I become the spokesperson for the study along with one of their, in some cases, one of their spokespeople from, from their company. Got it. And, and so, and these, what, run 10, 20, 30 grand a pop? Uh, we don't do it for less than 30. I've done, my, the biggest study I've ever done gets closer to 100. Okay. So, like, we're, we're not, like, the top, top tier. So, if you were to work with Deloitte or Accenture, one of the biggest companies, consulting companies in the world, they do multi-million dollar studies. Yeah. What do you... But um, they also have massive research departments. I'm, I'm one person who does... I was going to ask, what's your, nine, what's your team I've done size? I've done up to nine studies in a year. Deloitte will do maybe two studies in my space a year. Yeah. So if you do 200 grand, Dan, if you do 200 grand in research per year, does all of that go to basically into your bank account or do you have expenses? No, that goes into the company's bank account and we have employees who help. Got it. How how many employees? employees, So we have three employees right now, full time. And then we outsource the event, the event business. They handle the logistics. Got it. And, and walk me through what kind of more of the events there. So how many folks do you typically get at these events? And is it invite only or no? Great question. There's, so there's two member-driven events. So these are events that only the people who pay, only the companies that pay us annually get to go to. And then the other two events are public. So this is another way we make money is that we have people who go to our events who are part of our members our membership. And then we have other people who are in the HR community that can go to our events. And our goal is to convert those people into members. Yep. How many people so show up to the free if ones? We don't, if we don't have, you know, an HR leader from Facebook and they come to our events and on our event, we want to convert them to a member, for instance. And then we have sponsors. Wait, hold on, Dan, before, before you go to sponsors, solutions. before you go to sponsors, how many people show up to those events for the free events? The, the um the free events, free public events, we get upwards of we've had up to about two hundred. Okay. So anywhere from eighty to two hundred. Okay, and then the sponsors- on location and timing. 
And then and at the member only events, those are probably 70 to 120. Got it. Depending on timing, location. Like we had one in Toronto, we had about 70 or 80 people, but a lot of big companies have cut their international travel budgets. And if you can believe it, you know, Canada is international, even though it's so close. That's funny. (laughs) And you mentioned a sponsor revenue stream. Yep. So we have anywhere from maybe five to 13 sponsors per public event. Yep. That's great. So, okay, you're writing about and they're and they're trying to re, they're trying to sell to HR. So we're the middlemen in that. We're the content provider that enables solution providers to connect with heads of HR who they're targeting. Yep. Uh, do you have a speaking business as well? What What do you charge for a keynote, and about how many do you, do you do per year? I do probably ten to twenty keynotes per year at anywhere from I've gotten ten to about twenty thousand per. Just depends. Each Depends. Yeah, very good. And are those usually like marketing? And you know that it's a volatile business. Yeah. Like it's hard to predict your annual speaking income. That's why you need multiple streams of income if you want to be a speaker. But there are outliers. There's, you know, people like Mel Robbins, Matt Mayberry, who I'm friends with, who will speak like way over 100 times a year, Simon Sinek. So that's a little bit more predictable that they'll hit certain numbers. Yep. Um, Are you, the book, Back to Human, are you working with Simon Sinek's publisher? No, okay. that's your publisher. Well, that's what <laughs> no, I was curious. I was curious. Hachette. Hachette. Yeah. And they've, it's been great. Honestly, the relationship's been great. And this is a book on how to forge more human connections and not rely on technology as a crutch. We're yep. always, you know, especially for introverts, a lot of your audience, I'm an introvert too. And I've used technology not as a barrier, but as a path and a bridge to more human connection. In the early part of my career, Nathan, I connected with so many different people virtually, and that made it easier for me to meet them in person because I already had that first digital handshake at a place where it felt kind of unique and and, uh, natural to me. Mm -hmm. Have you ever closed a business deal or someone you met via Tinder? No. (laughs) I closed a great research deal on LinkedIn, though. Because okay. I was trying to fund, I was trying to fund my my for my second book. I was trying to find a fund a research study, and I'm like I'm like you. I'm hardcore. Like I reached out to over 100 companies. Everyone said no. Jim Levine, our our literary agent, who I dedicated the book to, he's like, Dan, I believe in you. You got this. And then I had like two weeks left, and American Express signed on to do it, which was awesome. Sorry, they signed on to do what? Signed on to fund the study for uh. my second. Yeah. So Got Jim it. Levine, you know, he's the best. Yeah. Okay. So so you know, back to human. Uh, when does it come out? November 13th. November 13th. Great. And, and, you know, name something surprising you learned in this study that most people, you know, believe, but you actually found the opposite. Awesome. Great question. So like I work from home, I'm sure you work from home at least sometimes. What we've always heard and what I've researched in the past is that people want to work from home because it offers them freedom and flexibility. You can do what you want, when you want, just get the work done. Right. But the research that we did with Virgin Pulse revealed the opposite, revealed that if you work remote, you're much less likely to want a long-term career at your company without the social interactions that you get in a physical office space. And if you aren't using you know, video conferencing, if you're not going to the office at all, your relationships are weaker and you're less likely to want to be productive and stay at a company longer. So we have intrinsic needs, you know, 
with uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you need shelter, you need food, and then you need love and friendships. If you're not getting that, you cannot be self-actualized. You cannot be the best employee you can for your company. And research shows by Gallup that if you have friends, especially best friends at work, you're going to stay at that company longer. You're going to work even harder for that company. And especially for people our age who have corporate jobs, not like us, you know, they view their team as their work family and they view their manager as their work parent. And, you know, it's pretty hard to leave a family, but yep. it's pretty easy to leave a bunch of acquaintances. Yep. No, I get it. Interesting. Very good. Guys, pick up the book, find it out. Dan, let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, besides your own, what's your favorite business book? My favorite business book is Now Discover Your Strengths by Marcus Buckingham because it taught me, hey, you need to double down on your strengths and not let your weaknesses get in front of you. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Paul Pullman. The guy's a monster. I think he has the most amount of LinkedIn followers out of anyone. CEO of what company? CEO of Unilever. Oh, got it. Yep. Number uh, four, how many hours of sleep? Do you, or sorry, what's your favorite online tool for building your business? I don't really use many online tools. <laughs> Sounds like LinkedIn, maybe. Um, actually, my my favorite mobile tool now is Instagram. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? I get between five and eight. Okay, good. So we'll call six and a half there on average. And what's your situation? Married, single, kiddos? Single. No kids? No kids. All right. And how old are you, Dan? 34. Take us home. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? I wish my 20-year-old 20, 20 self knew that everything was going to work out and I had nothing to worry about. Guys, everything is going to work out. You don't have to worry. Channel that energy and build multiple revenue streams like Dan did. Again, launching as a conference business, doing six hundred grand per year. Has a research business, doing two hundred grand per year in the form of you know thirty, forty thousand dollars studies. Some of those studies do so well. He says, you know what, this has to be a book. And so he's got Back to Human coming out soon here in November. Make sure you go grab it. Dan, thank you so much for taking us to the top. Thanks, my friend.